You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. WG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. A Town Square Media Station. Just like, uh, like, you, like you devastate a city or you, cream, or you cream a multitude of people. I mean, it's just like, like you put all the offensive players in one bag and I just take a baseball bat and beat on the bag. So each time he came over there, I tried to tear his damn head off. Let's play some football! Let's play some football! The pressure is on. This is Off the Edge on Tide 100.9. Focus on what you want to do, what you want to accomplish. Think about that. Don't think about how you feel, how tired you are, how hot it is. You got to push yourself on the field when you're playing football. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. To me, this is the ultimate team. All these guys bought into everything they needed to do to be the best players that they could be. There's more togetherness on this team than almost any team that we've ever had. And they had to overcome and persevere so much adversity through this season. And they've done it magnificently. And I'm so proud of this group for what they've been able to accomplish in going undefeated and winning the national championship. Screening live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and the Tide 100.9 app. Here is your host of Off the Edge, Jacob Harrison. Hello there, good morning, welcome into Off the Edge Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. So glad you could hang out with us here on a Wednesday morning, and uh, thanks for hanging out with us on the Tide 100.9 app. Appreciate that, Seth. We got Seth, we got Mason, we got Joe hanging out with us this morning. Tide 100.9 app is where you can download on Android, Apple devices, Take all of the Alabama Crimson Tide content with you, whether it's written or on the air. We got you covered right there. You can also uh, play it on your home smart devices as well. Just tell Google, just tell Alexa, hey, enable the Tide 100.9 app or skill, and that'll get you covered at home or wherever you are as well. So we thanks for uh, for hanging out with us this morning. The show is always brought to you by Alabama Vintage, 2210 University Boulevard, under the Crimson Awning, across from City Hall, the heart of downtown T-Town. Hats. Novelty tees, sweaters, starter jackets, Jordans. You name it, Charlie's got it in store for you or at alabamavtg.com. You can also check them out on the Instagram account at alabamavtg where you keep up with all the sales that are going on. Uh, and, uh, you know, make sure that you get that item that you see on the Instagram account because usually those are the first to go and you can shoot him a DM and uh, make sure that he will hold on to that. And uh, you can take that home with you as well. And keep in mind, there's a lot going on over there at Alabama Vintage. He's already got uh, four Crimson Tide athletes uh, 
that are signed on as brand ambassadors, and we've got autograph sessions coming up. As soon as we have uh, the big news on those autograph sessions, we'll let you know right here on Off the Edge. At 11.15 in about 10 minutes, we're going to welcome Tyler Martin from Bama Central into the show, and he's going to give us a hand on some uh, recruiting news, especially concerning uh, Jeremiah Alexander. We'll get into some Ty Simpson talk as well. Uh, if you listen to Saturday Morning Showdown last week, you know, me, Kendall, Joe, we all kind of thrashed Ty Simpson a little bit. We're not big believers, not big fans of what he's had to say when given the opportunity in media. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's, it has a little to do with Arch Manning. Maybe it has a little to do with this or that. Uh, but at the very least, he did perform marginally well, did win one MVP day award at the Elite 11. So we'll pick Tyler Martin's brain on that as well as Shackelford uh, putting his name, Jalen Shackelford that is, putting his name in the transfer portal, uh, taking his name out of the NBA draft, but it still seems like there's this air of a feeling that, that Jaden Shackelford will not be back with the Crimson Tide next year. But we got all that going on and so much more. Your phone calls at 205-342-9904. You heard Gary Harris at uh, break the news just a little while ago down from the SEC. Devontae Smith wins the SEC Male Athlete of the Year Award. And I got to say, I feel a little feel a little pride in that because, uh, you know, I want to know what your favorite Devontae Smith moment is. There's plenty to choose from. There's the one-handed catch against LSU. Uh, there's the routine ability to make Derek Stingley his, his son. Uh, you can point back to 2019 for that as well. Uh, just the fact that he was the first wide receiver in 30 years to pick up the Heisman Trophy. But for me, it, it has a little bit to do with the fact that after Jalen Waddle got hurt, after Jalen Waddle got hurt and you had David Pollock and you had a few people come out and say, oh, stick a fort in the Alabama Crimson Tide. They cannot do it without Jalen Waddle. And it had kind of stemmed over this period of time that Devontae Smith kept getting looked over. The guy that caught second and 26 and and helped spurn the Alabama Crimson Tide to a 17th national championship. It was nothing. Every, everybody forgot about that guy. Despite him having some of the best statistics and the most consistent ability out of all four of the rideouts, each one of them was elite in their own category. None were better than the other. Each brought something different, something unique to the playing field, and each came with their own, you know, uh, weaknesses, I guess, but those were very few and far between. There was very little to separate those four, but yet Devontae Smith always seemed to be the fourth guy in a lot of people's eyes, and lo and behold, he comes out, he wins a Heisman Trophy without another ride out to help him, and without a five-star quarterback. He gets it done with Matt Jones, has one of the most incredible seasons we've ever seen, and uh, not long after that, that happened with Jalen Waddle getting hurt and David Pollock saying, stick a fork in them, they're done. I wrote the article on Todd109.com. I got receipts telling you, stop. Stop overlooking Smitty. Stop doubting him. Stop acting like this is the fourth guy because he's not. He's probably the best of the four, but the, the, the 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D scenario we're in makes it very difficult to, to, to try to surpass that. But you absolutely cannot deny him any longer. And he went out there and he proved it. So I like being right. So that, that, was, that, that was my favorite Smitty moment. But if you've got a favorite one, want to take the opportunity to look back and, and praise the young man who brought so much to this university, you certainly can. 205-342-9904. There's a lot of sports going on. I don't know what, what's catching your eye here lately. We got the Wimbledon on in here, and uh, Federer is not even winning, so I, I'm at a loss of what's actually going on. We got the NHL playoffs going on, UEFA championships. A lot of folks talking about the UEFA championships. Uh, been exciting action for the most part, getting a lot of uh, matches down to you know sudden death, goal for goal situations. Had the NBA Finals tip off last night as well. The Suns look dominant. Suns look insane last night. Uh, Giannis looked exhausted. Couldn't really get the Bucks to go behind him. And Devin Booker, Chris Paul, 
Aiton, those guys, man, they've got it. They've got it. Now I feel way more confident about saying Suns in five uh, the other day. But nonetheless, whatever direction you want to go in today, 205-342-9904 is the number to call. Last night on uh, Alabama Tradition, me and Martin teamed up on on Ryan Fowler a little bit. Ryan got a little worried about the NIL thing, which is fine. It's understandable. Uh, I know I'm, I'm one of the few hosts around here that, that is that is just strictly behind this, that is just purely excited to see how NIL positively impacts student-athletes. And there's a lot of people that take the national perspective, of, well, how is this going to hurt college sports in general? I don't think it will. And... I also know, you know, you know, Ryan and a, and a few other fans are a little just disgruntled because they don't want to have one more hurdle in the way of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Because you can look back and say, well, all these rules have been put in place to help stop the Alabama Crimson Tide, the playoffs, the RPO, all of these sorts of different things were set in place to try to stop Alabama, right? Maybe in a manner of speaking, sure, but... We're fooling ourselves if we think that simply because NIL exists that that's going to damage Alabama because of the one factor. The one factor. And 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 Gary just kind of started talking about it a little bit towards the end of his show, talking about how dominant Alabama has been over all this time. Remember this time last year in the heat of recruiting and folks are saying, well, I don't know. I think this pandemic might be finally what does Nick Saban in. This might be finally the thing that 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 breaks him and makes it difficult. He goes out, signs one of the best recruiting classes of all time. Don't doubt Nick Saban. How many times you got to doubt Nick Saban before you realize it is a fool's effort? <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. We'll go out to the hotline. Welcome Corey into the show. Good morning, Corey. What's going on, dude? Hey, Jacob. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing pretty good. What's on your mind? Well, I think the best Devontae Smith play was the one-handed catch versus LSU. And I think that was his Heisman moment because every Heisman Trophy winner had his Heisman moment. I think that's what kind of started the conversation. And ever since then, it just grew more and more. And I think that was his, his Heisman moment. I think that was the best play he had. Oh, year, would you agree? I would agree that it was his Heisman moment. I don't know that it's it was necessarily bigger than second and twenty six as far as moments go, but as far as a favorite moment, I mean you can't you can't paint something more beautiful. First of all, he's mossing on one of the best corners in all of college football, right in front of his father, and it's a high point catch that, you know, can easily live immortally uh through art of all kinds. So no no doubt. Excellent decision. Do you think there should be something like a two-a-day or a Devontae day? Kind of like, I'm sure you heard the Dallas Mavericks are doing something for one of their players, do you, something like that. Do you think that should be like a like for second and 26 or for Devontae for the Heisman or something like a two-a-day or a Devontae day or something like that? Well, I think we unofficially celebrate second and 26. February 26th is second and 26th day. Uh, I don't know that you could do a Smitty Day because then you'd have a Tua Day, you'd have uh, you'd have a Derrick Henry Day, you'd have a Mark Ingram Day. You, you see, what I'm saying? You, you'd go down the line. You continue a Julio Jones Day, a Donta Hightower Day. Uh, it, it add up quick. You'd run out of days. Yeah, I would agree. There's so many great players. It's like why we don't uh, retire retire numbers. We'd run I out. Asked Gary, <laughs> I asked Gary this this morning. Uh, what do you what, are, what were his thoughts on SEC media days? And I thought I was wondering who he would, what 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 players Nick Saban might would bring with him. Well, we've gotten absolutely zero information uh, so far, which is a little bit shocking. It's, but it does seem like uh, SEC media days is going to be one of the last. You know things that feels like it's in the middle of the pandemic because of the the safety measures that they're taking. Uh, there's limited space and those sorts of things. So uh, I I don't know what kind of players we'll get if we get players if we get three from each school or just one or the players have to be vaccinated or or what the the criteria will be. But 
very little information so far on on what's going to be happening in Hoover in two weeks. Corey, we appreciate it, man. We we got to run out to Tyler Martin here. Okay, good talk to you, Jacob. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. We'll run to a break. We'll come back. Tyler Martin of Bama Central joins the show right here on Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama sports. Alabama football countdown clock is driven by Crawford Insurance, Tuscaloosa's low-cost auto insurer. Call 752-6489 for a free quote today. There are there are there are 59 days until Alabama football. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy with a good chance of showers and thunderstorms across West Alabama this afternoon and tonight. The high today 80, tonight's low 69. Tomorrow, cloudy at times with scattered to numerous showers and thunderstorms around. The high 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Follow off the edge on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for live streams and instant analysis. Off the edge with Jacob Harrison continues. Welcome back into Off the Edge Tide 100.9. You're home for Alabama sports. I'm Jacob Harrison hanging out with you up until noon. It's about that time we'll head out to the hotline and welcome in Bama Central's Tyler Martin. Covers all sorts of things for, for them at the Sports Illustrated affiliate for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Big recruiting guy as well. We'll get his thoughts on that and so much more. Tyler, good morning. What's going on, dude? What's up, Jake? Glad to be back on here, man. Uh, and, you know, I'm just... This time of year is so exciting, man. SEC Media Days around the corner. Uh, a lot of recruiting action coming up over the next few weeks, man. It's just you, you feel football's on the horizon, and it's just it's just getting here, you know, quicker by the day. Absolutely. Uh, I just wish we had a little bit more information on SEC Media Days so that we could feel like it's actually coming. Uh, but nonetheless, we'll just have to be patient on that. Uh, but with Everything that's gone on since the start of this month, you know, it feels kind of like we we've been putting a, a catapult into college football season uh, because NIL is here and it's it, it's generating news, it's generating information, excitement and despair on both sides. What what's kind of been your impression from the the first almost week of NIL being open? Has it been kind of what you expected? A little bit more tame? What 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 are your feelings, Tyler? Yeah, I mean, it's been so-so, right? I mean, I think a lot of the Alabama guys, you know, there there were some who announced deals on Thursday. Some waited it out, like Malachi Moore waited, you know, a couple days and announced the deal with Milo's, and he's on Cameo, which I saw a graph earlier right before I got on with you that he's actually, you know, fairly cheap on Cameo, I think about 25 bucks, and someone on there, it was Matt Corral for something was $10,000, so I'm yeah. like... You know, Malachi's doing a great job in that. You know, he's he's being a man for the people, right? And, and offering a pretty low price, which is pretty good uh, for a lot of Crimson Tide fans. But no, I kid. I just, you know, I, I think it's great, right? I mean, I think a lot of these kids are just kind of waiting and seeing and and trying to figure this whole thing out as we navigate through really uncharted waters. And I think you know, the album is the advantage plan, and and they're just kind of full structure of, about finding guys' deals. I mean, you know, they're they're looking out for their best interest, right? Because you don't want to jump into things too quickly and then not know what's going on, and, and you know, and then someone take advantage of these kids, right? And so they're being smart on that end. And Coach Saban, I know, and his staff have been definitely uh, educated on that. And, and you know, he's he's, he, I'm sure he's been preaching to them how they can't allow that to be a distraction. So that's that's a big deal as well. And I, you know, I think for the most part, you know, I've I've been this is what I pretty much expected, you know. Uh, and I think it's, you know, when the season comes in, I think depending on who performs well week in week out. That's when I think we're going to see kind of more the craziness of it because, shoot, you could have four interceptions one game as a defensive back. 
I mean, you're going to get, you know, uh, you know, a, a maybe potentially just days after that a good endorsement deal, right? So I think a lot of guys are waiting to produce on the field so they can really build off their name in that sense. Certainly one of the most questionable things is the NCAA's stance on all of this. And I've, I've asked quite a few people, and I'd love to get your, your thoughts on it as well, is the, the future of the NCAA, having absolved themselves from this situation, it would seem very difficult for them to get back into a role of authority concerning NIL. And and not only that, but kind of just, you know, the, the questioning of their leadership from, from the government and, and from fans across the country, it, it seems to have, you know, been the truth all along, is that their leadership is, is worthy of questioning and, and is kind of in a spot where, you don't know what's next for the NCAA. Of course, they have to exist on some realm for uh, organizations' sake, for for bringing together uh, the events, the national championship sites, those sorts of things. Uh, but the conferences still wield a lot of power, especially with their ability to get the NCAA to to absolve from all of this. What what do you think the future holds for the NCAA after they failed to evolve this time? Surely they're in a, a space where they have to now. Are they going to be able to do it? Uh, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough to really exist in in this kind of culture, right? Where it's like you know, pretty much your system and your way of doing things is, is outdated, right? And it gets outdated by the day. Um, and I think you know, eventually, what we're going to see is, and I think what the NCA might turn into is that you know what, somebody from you know for each sport is going to have to rise up and be a commissioner, right? I really do think we're going to move toward a, a commissioner in college football, and I think that's for the best. There will be a commissioner of college basketball, college baseball. I think that's just smart, right? I think there needs to be somebody who, um, you know, and say what you want about Roger Goodell, say what you want, you know, the commissioner of the NFL, say what you want about Robert Manfred, the commissioner of uh, MLB, or Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA. Those guys are important, right? And I think college athletics needs figures like that. Um, and Mark Emmert, you know, the president of the NCAA, he, you know, he's, we've, we've talked at length before about him, and I, he's obviously not that guy. But, you know, I, I do think, you know, um, I, I, I don't know if Nick Stane would ever do it at all, but, like, somebody with that kind of, um, you know, that reputation, right, that, that understands the game, been around a while, has that experience, needs to be in a position to help run college football and kind of help see, you know, what's going to help happen down the line, right? Um, so I think we're kind of moving into a situation where it's like we need figures in each and every one of these sports to help run and operate it rather than just, okay, we're just operating in limbo half the time, right? Um, so I think that's kind of where we're going with college athletics. Two, I think, you know, the NCAA, right? I mean, you look at the two sports that make the most money for uh, for, for, for the NCAA is bas- college basketball and the baseball tournament, the college world series. And so, the, you know, the, the college football playoff isn't even run by the NCAA. And I think, you know, potentially we could be seeing something a similar setup in baseball and basketball because at the end of the day, we're just not going to need the NCAA anymore um, because really, you know, amateurism doesn't exist anymore. And then that started on July 1st. Certainly an interesting time to see how the, all of this unfolds. Uh, Tyler, one of the big questions that swirls around here at Tide with some of our, our hosts and, and some of our, our talking heads is, you know, how this is going to directly impact Alabama football on a national scale. Uh, certainly, if you ask me, I, all my trust is in Nick Saban to tra- traverse this thing and to, to manage his program uh, to the utmost ability. But from, from your standpoint, from what you see, how do you think Alabama – you know, on the, the grand scheme of things, does this bring in parity and that kind of bring Alabama down? Or do you think the elite kind of stay where they're at and it helps bring others up? What what do you see the landscape of college football being now with NIL being open? Kind of going back and forth a little bit on it, Jacob. I, you know, again, the, the rich are going to get richer with the NIL, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Alabama, the Clemson, the Ohio State, they're, they're, I mean, there's no stopping those programs, right? And I'll throw Oklahoma into that mix, too, for what it's worth. You know, there, there's no stopping those programs right now, right? Especially how, how everything is set up at those current schools right now. And I think for a, a lot of these uh, a lot of these schools, you know, that might, that might be, you know, middle-tier power five or, or close there, right? I, I think of a Texas a I think of a Texas A&M that has a chance over the next couple seasons, even I mean, shoot, even maybe this season, right, to kind of break through. I, I think 
you know, if they have a really good a team like Texas a and right, they've been around, they've been in the conversation, you know, they're, they're a perennial nine-win, ten-win team, right, in a normal year. I think at the end of the day, right, if, if they can get close enough, you know, and bring in some talent, you know, have the deals like, hey, you know, you can make some money here too, right? I, I think I, I think that helps a lot. And then, too, once we get an expanded playoff as well, I think that that's going to help those schools, right? Um, those schools that, hey, we were in the playoff. We were this close. We need, you know, it's going to help on the recruiting pit, on the recruiting trail, you know, with their pitches to, 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 to elite kids to get them to come on board. So I think, I, I think, will it, will it, you know, hurt the, will it hurt the top three and bring them down? No. But I do think for where the middle of the pack is and the pack closest to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, it just helps them get a little bit closer, right? I, I don't think it brings parity altogether because I think what we're going to see is what the name image likeness is going to do. You know, the schools that are going to be able to make the most money for you and put you in the best situation and has your best interest in mind, the student best interest, I think those schools are still going to win the day. And those schools that we see are still Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. And I know everybody wants to rag on Dad Sweeney. I know earlier this week it was it was brought up about, oh, man, Dabo Sweeney, you know, talking about how he, once college athletes starting to get paid, he would quit. Let me tell you something right now. You know, I talked to, talk to a lot of recruits. There wouldn't be kids lining up to go play for Clemson, if, if they if they thought what Twitter thinks of Dabo Sweeney, right? Hmm. It's just stupid to me, you know, the hate that, that he gets on this kind of issue to me. And, you know, I know we're about to talk about Jeremiah Alexander, who's coming down to Alabama and Clemson. Um, but, again, I think I think the NIL, it, you know, it's not going to bring them down at all, but it's just going to help the middle pack and the, the team's closest set. Just inch. They're going to inch closer, I should say. That's probably a good word for it. Yeah, that's the way I agree with it. Uh, that coupled with the the college football playoff expansion, where it's going to be a slow evolution, it's not going to be as abrupt as a lot of folks think, uh, and, and it might lead to a better product. It might lead to more of the same, but at, at the end of the day, it's still going to be just college football. I'm talking to Tyler Martin at Stephen Tyler underscore fifteen, Bama Central writer for the affiliate of uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide with Sports Illustrated, right here on Off the Edge. I'm Jacob Harrison. So let's shift gears a little bit to uh, the court for a second with Jaden Shackelford. He's taken his name out of the NBA draft pool, but he still remains in the transfer portal. Uh, and, and the gauge and the feeling, the, the breath in the air feels like he's not going to be here next year, which is bizarre to so many because he plays such an important role last year. And, uh, you know, with Josh Primo heading to, to the draft, uh, likely being a first rounder himself, Petty, Herb Jones, they're gone. It would seem that there'd be more opportunities, but maybe there won't be, and that's why he wants out. What, what, what's your feeling on, on Jaden Shackelford's future? Yeah, you know, um, first, I want to say that, you know, my two years, the last two years covering this basketball team and, and really seeing the transformation under Coach Oates, and, and Jaden Shackelford's been a key part of that, right? And Shackelford wasn't even really recruited by Coach Oates, you know. He was an Avery Johnson kid, and, you know, I, I know one Oates got the job. One of his first moves was to make sure Shackford was still on board, right? And they did that. They, they got him still, and um, he's been – I mean, his two years here have probably been better than he even thought they were going to be, right? I mean, you think of his freshman year, uh, you know, one of the top scorers on the team. Uh, then you think of as a sophomore, right, last year leading the team in scoring. And the issue, I think, this past year – and I know where where, where Jaden, you know, might not have been super happy with the, the draft feedback, you know, didn't get invited to the combine. It's too, I mean, you look at his numbers in the conference play in terms of percentages, they, they weren't necessarily great, right? They weren't what they were his freshman season uh, from the field and from three-point range. There was kind of a dip there. Defensively, um, he, 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 wasn't, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't as great defensively, right? He was a little bit challenged in that area, which, I mean, she, I've seen, you know, guys, Guys can develop that, right? I mean, um, you don't have to be, in, especially playing in Coach Oates' system, you don't have to be necessarily defensively, uh, I should say, gifted. You can kind of earn that, right? You know, how, how he lets them play offensively, you just got to give the best effort on defense. And I thought Jaden always gave the best effort in Alabama. Um, I just thought there were some kind of liabilities at certain points in the game. Um, but he gave us all to Alabama, right? And I think wherever he goes, I think Alabama fans need to wish him well. Um, but I think, too, you know, there was a little bit of an issue with kind of the feedback that they got in terms of, um, you know, where, 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 where they thought, you know, Jane should be. And so that's why he decided to make this move, uh, maybe better his future in his mind, right? But one thing I'll say about this 
is that Alabama, you know, they got Namari Burnett, the Texas Tech transfer, the former five-star, uh, who's defensively really, really, really solid already. He's got a three-point shot. You know, Coach Oates has had rave reviews about him. So I think, so I think defensively, you know, there's a little bit of an upgrade with Namari Burnett there. Um, I think J.D. Davison, obviously, the five-star point guard out of uh, Calhoun, and I think I think he's you know he's a one and done type player. I think those two guys you know at this per- current state, no disrespect to Jane Shackler, but those those two are upgrades, right? And so in Primo gone, I mean that's just going to help recruiting. You know, Primo being a first round pick, that's that's going to put Alabama basketball more in the spotlight and help the brand. But I think at the end of the day, you, I think Alabama fans need to look at Namari Burnett and J.D. Davis in this backcourt alongside Quinterly. Um, it's just it's it's an upgrade, right? And I think you know they need to thank James Jackson for what he did for this program. But I think for him, just for my opinion, from someone on the outside, is is that he he would he, he what other better development could you get than just staying staying the course and staying in this system, right? We saw what Coach Oates was able to do with Kyra Lewis year one. We saw what he did with Primo this year, and Shackford has the has the natural talent to really excel. Um, you know, it's just going to take a little more time, right? And he could be a late bloomer like a Petty, right, who had to stay off four years, like a Herb Jones who had to stay off four years. So uh, I, I think it's a little bit of a mistake to transfer at this point. Um, but, you know, this is, I mean, they want to look and see where the grass is greener. And I, I, I don't know if it will end up being that way for them. But at the same time, now that uh, we're, we're kind of seeing this happen and, you know, Nate Oates obviously has completely resurrected this program and, and it looks to have it on, on course to, to become one of the nation's elite, which, you know, is just what Greg Byrne drew up. Uh, but when it comes down to it, we're probably going to see a little bit of this, right, where if you're not the J.D. Davison who's one in, one out, you might find yourself buried on the depth chart if you're not able to, you know, consistently improve or – or just find a spot in the rotation as these five stars come in and leave and, and take spots and the transition kind of changes as you try to, to make that climb up to elite status. No. Yeah, no, it's that's, I mean, yeah. I mean, especially with the transfer rule, everybody being immediately eligible, the, the even too, which, which is even more interesting to me, Jacob, the intra conference transfer rule being lifted in the sec, right? Uh, I, I, you know, my, everyone thinks, okay, with Jane Shackford in the portal, he might be headed back home to California. Let me tell you something right now. There, there's a, every SEC school right now, with the exception of maybe Kentucky and Arkansas, is going to try to get Jaden Shackford. Maybe Auburn too is going to try to get Jaden Shackford on their roster, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think he's going to have that much allure about him, and I think you know he's that talented to where a lot of teams are going to be uh, calling for him. And uh, real quick, you might have mentioned it at the top of your show, Jacob, but the video of, of Coach Oates in the wakeboarding going viral <laughs> this morning from uh, from our friend Charlie Potter of Alabama Online. Uh, it's pretty freaking awesome, and I think Coach Oates is about a it's about a nine point five right there, it, and it's better and it's better than Dan Mullins. It's it way like, better than Dan Mullins. <laughs> yeah, way, and the execution was pinpoint. Uh, great job from me, and like I said, definitely definitely better execution than Coach Mullins. Hey, only good things happen on Lake Tuscaloosa with our with our head coaches. Only good things happen. That is true. That is true. <laughs> But speaking of Lake Tuscaloosa and and, uh, and head coaches, you know this is the the big time of the year for Nick Saban. You were talking about it. the The recruiting trail is hot. Tomorrow we've got a big time announcement from Jeremiah Alexander. Uh, Tyler, you've got a rundown there on Bama Central of uh, some of the big names to to keep an eye on uh, throughout this entire process. Uh, but before we get into any of those guys that that haven't committed yet, uh, that are just kind of targets. I do want to talk about one guy uh, that, honestly, some of us here at Tide have a hard time buying into, and maybe it's not being fair. Maybe uh, we're, we're, we're crossing a line at some point. But not all of us here at Tide, especially me, are sold on Ty Simpson, the five-star quarterback from uh, Tennessee, Martin, Tennessee, who performed well uh, at the Elite 11. You, co- uh, you, know, you wrote something up on the Elite 11 as well. Uh, he did win day one MVP, uh, but when it all comes down to it, uh, he's got some exciting tools. I've seen the some of his highlights, and one of the first ones, of course, is that wild uh, Zach Wilson throw where you roll out to your left and inexplicably throw across your body 70 yards on a dime, uh, and he, he did that multiple times. So there's plenty to be excited about, but when it comes down to, to his path from Martin, Tennessee, down to Tuscaloosa, uh what what can you tell us about uh, Ty Simpson that can kind of try to help change my mind on this kid? 
look, I'll say this. The Elite 11 competition is, okay, you know, just to kind of put ourselves in those guys' shoes, right, you know, the 20 that got invited out to L.A. and trying to be the best, you know, named the best 11 quarterback in the country, you know, there's a lot of pressure with that, right? I mean, these, you know, these 17 years old, a lot of a lot of pressure in these moments. Um, and I think for Ty Simpson, one of the one of my favorite things about him, and you know, we, I mean, he can make every throw there is, right? I mean, he's got the arm strength, he's got the accuracy. I think he's very cerebral, and he, he can really move with his feet too. You know, I think his legs are, are, are something that should be overlooked at all. But what I like about Ty Simpson and what you saw, kind of even from the counselors, like you know, Trent Dilfer, uh, uh, Quincy Avery, and some other guys, too, is that he's just got an enigma about himself. He has a, a, a personality that is contagious. He's got a leadership trait, right? That's what I think Ty Simpson is really, 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 really good at. He gets guys to fall. He's intense. He's a very intense competitor. And in, in terms of the throw, I mean, like I said, I wouldn't put too much stock into his last two days at the Elite 11, right? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different factors going into that. Um, in that in that conversation, but when you just look at it, I mean, I think what he's going to fit perfectly in what Bill O'Brien wants to do, and that you know he's got this big arm, and he can get the ball ball out on a dime to the target, and you know, and we're kind of kind of see that with Bryce Young a little bit. And I think Bryce Young is a better runner than than Ty Simpson, but I also think Ty Simpson too is a little more raw. If you if you compare him and Bryce Young to where they were at in their respective recruitment, Ty Simpson to me is a little bit more raw, so I understand the concern a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, Jacob, but one of the big reasons why Ty Simpson said he wanted to come to Alabama was because he loved the way Mac Jones was developed, and all it took was one year for Mac Jones to really go on the big stage and really throw, and really display. And guess what? Dude just signed for fifteen million guaranteed yesterday. So um, you know, Ty Simpson understands that when he comes to Alabama, he's got to be a little, de- a little bit of developed. And guess what? He realizes too that you know there's a there's a kid that's you know, going to be, you know, a few spots down on the depth chart right now behind Bryce Young and Jalen Milrow, who he's going to have to compete with when he gets on campus as well. So he understands that, you know, he, he, he needs, you know, he needs a little more refinement. But Bill O'Brien, to me, is a really great quarterback's coach, and I think he's going to be able to get those tools and tie, get those fixed. Um, some, of, some of the kind of the kinks in, his, in, his, in the armor, right, the chinks in there. So I think, I think at the end of the day, I don't think there's anything to stress about Ty Simpson. Um, I think, you know, he's got all the intangibles. He's got the arm strength, got the accuracy. It's just about putting it together consistently. I think that's one of the ones that gets me, though, is uh, I look down the line and I see Jalen Milrow and I'm excited. I see Arch Manning and the prospect of him wearing crimson and I'm excited when it comes down to Ty Simpson saying, I'm, I look forward to developing. I, it, just, it doesn't get my gears going, I guess. But uh, I, I get it. I know. I get it. <laughs> It's, you know, it, because, you know, when you have a player like Arch Manning, and we, you, you've asked about him before, it's just like it, it's hard for Alabama fans not to get fired up about that, right? right? Because we, we all want the next big thing, right? That's what we're all kind of looking toward. And, and so I think people just got to be patient with that. And, you know, in today's age, it's very hard to do. <laughs> exactly. Point positive right here. Uh, defensive back Jake Pope, he had just recently finished up his uh, final, uh, fifth and final official visit to uh, Tuscaloosa in the final week of June. What's what's the deal with uh, this big safety uh, from Georgia? Yeah, Buford's a place where Alabama's had some success in the past. You look at Seth McLaughlin, um, who's going to factor in in the, in the next few years on Alabama's offensive line. He's a really great interior player. Um, he, he, he's come from Buford. But for Jake Pope, he, he's, he's going to make a solid commitment in the next couple days and then make it publicly at a, at a date later to be determined. He hasn't set that date yet. But really, once you talk people around his recruitment, it's, you, you kind of get, you know, Alabama is really up there, obviously. And, the, you know, he's got five, right? He's got top five with Notre Dame, Georgia, North Carolina, Georgia, and Alabama. But here's the thing. The school, really, that I think is the biggest threat to Alabama, North Carolina and Georgia. Georgia, because it's the home state, mm. they really want him bad. Georgia's kind of been, I don't, know, I don't know how much you can pay attention to Georgia recruiting as well right now, Jacob, but they're kind of missing out on some targets. They're kind of losing some ground on some other pieces. So they're kind of, you know, they, they really want to add Jake Pope, and they really, Kirby Smart, he really emphasizes putting a, a fence around that state, and they typically do a good job of that. And this year, it's a little bit different. So they're, you know, they're recruiting, the, you know, uh, Jake Pope very, very, very hard. North Carolina is another big, you know, another big threat, I think, to Alabama in that Matt Brown, man, well, what he's been able to do on the recruiting trail and nail some five-star guys um, like a Tony Grimes last year at corner, 
who's going to be, you know, a first-round pick two years from now. Getting a guy like him, and just how he's able to get, you know, Carolina on the resurgence is a really big deal. And I think a lot of kids nowadays, when they see a program like North Carolina, you have an old head right in that ground, but he's adapted. He's become new school in a mm-hmm. sense. And so, and to me, it's a three-headed race between Alabama, Georgia, and North Carolina. But I think Alabama's in a really, really good spot right now. Um, they kind of want, you know, Alabama could have, you know, three or four guys in the secondary leave after this year. So they really want to shore up some, some, some spots in that secondary. And they already have one in Antonio Kite, Jake Pope. Um, is another name to watch. And then, too, uh, Traquan Segan uh, out of Thompson. He just transferred from Oxford to Thompson is another in-state player to watch. But, yeah, Jake Pope, Alabama's in a great spot for him. I just think they got to be careful of the Bulldogs at Tar Heels. Talking to Tyler Martin at Stephen Tyler underscore 15 on the Twitter account, Bama Central Sports Illustrated, uh, Alabama Crimson Tide affiliate. Here on Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, I'm Jacob Harrison. Final few questions. Uh, offensive line, after such a big get with the this past class with Latham and the Brockermeyer bros, and, and I mean, that, that, that only scratches the surface. There were some big names in the class last year. But uh, coming up, you got Tyler Booker out of uh, Florida as well as Dane Shore out of Georgia. Uh, what's the aggression level for Saban and his staff with uh, trying to you know shore up the 2022 class and offensive linemen? Look, great question. This is something I've been I've been trying to figure out as well, Jacob. And the reason why Alabama was really so aggressive in the 2021 cycle was because if you look at from top to bottom in this 2022 class, the offensive line depth, it's not fair. Just just to be quite <laughs> frank, right? Because you mentioned all you mentioned, you know, Terrence Ferguson, Brock Meyer, Bros, J.C. Latham. You mentioned the guy in you know, and um, and Jaden Roberts as well from North Shore. You mentioned who Alabama got, right? But let's not forget about, you know, guys like a Marius Mims, um, uh, Nolan uh, Rucci from, uh, who went up to Wisconsin. Those are other guys Alabama was in play for. Um, so the, the, the 2021 offensive line class was, was unlike, really, uh, what we've seen in recent memory because I think the Alabama staff was forecasting 2022 not to be so great, right? And besides, I, to me, this is a year where Alabama's only going to take maybe, you know, one or two offensive linemen similar to how they did in 2020 when they got McLaughlin and they got J.V. on Cohen, those two. Um, and, and and I think, you know, Tyler Booker, of course, is target number one. He grew up going to Alabama camps. I remember when I first ever talked to him after he got the Alabama offer, man. Uh, you know, him just talking about how much he, you know, when he went to so many Nick Saban football camps and he dreamed of that day. And even, you know, chatting with him here and there since then, right, and even after his visit, right, he's kind of in this mode of like, okay, this 40-year decision. Now, Florida's been a dream school. And he's from New Haven, Connecticut, just via uh, an IMG Academy, just down there to play football. Um, but, you know, and, and too, you know, he, he's going to end up in SEC country. George is in the mix as well, Oregon and Ohio State. But I think, too, I, I think really Florida and Alabama are really in a thick battle right here. Uh, and I think Alabama's got a great shot because if you get Tyler Booker a tackle, um, you might just be able to get a guard later, an interior player um, later on in the cycle. You don't have to really stress for that right now. But if you get him, man, it's like, okay, you're kind of set already because of what you did in 2021. So I think Alabama staff and how great an evaluator Nick Saban is and his coaching staff is, is that they kind of saw this coming. Is like, hey, we, you know, we kind of want to put our, all of our chips in one basket, essentially. Um, and then if, if, they, if they somehow don't get Todd Booker, it's like, okay, we've kind of got some other options we can turn to. But th- those options are few and far between. So you've got to hit on the offensive line guys in 2022. Joe's giving me a look, so we gotta we gotta get to Jeremiah Alexander here and uh, and wrap up the discussion. I get I get so deep into it, I get excited. Uh, Jeremiah Alexander, he's set to to announce his commitment tomorrow. He was a former Alabama Crimson Tide commit. Uh, Georgia's out of the picture. It's down to Alabama and Clemson. Uh, will the Theodore product just move a few miles west, or will he take his talents up to Dabo uh, with the not so hated Clemson Tigers, as you as you put it earlier? Look, I, um, I, I'm, I, at the beginning of the week, I was kind of going back and forth. But now, you know, uh, my prediction is Alabama, right? And the reason I kind of I say this is because the relationships forged in Alabama. Alabama's recruit, been recruiting this kid since the end of his freshman year at Thompson. They've been recruiting him for the longest time. Um, when he decommitted, you know, it wasn't just because he didn't like Alabama or he was frustrated by anything. It was because his team was in the midst of fighting for a state championship. And Jeremiah is a kid who also likes to be recruited, right? Um, Georgia used to be in the mix. LSU used to be in the mix. 
They were both in the mix originally when he made his first commitment to Alabama. Clemson wasn't in the mix. Now, I'm not knocking Clemson, you know, for how they recruit kids and how they hand out, you know, roughly, you know, tens of offers a year. They don't, I mean, they are very peculiar about their kids. But Alabama's been in this the most, and I think that longevity and the ability at the development at the pass rusher level for Alabama is going to win out at the end of the day. And Jeremiah, you know, he loved his visits to Clemson back in June. June. Absolutely loved him. They, they very impressed. They impressed him a whole lot. And this is a real sweet uh, Sweeney and Saban fight. But I think Saban wins out. And, you know, you look at this 2022 class, if they're able to get Alexander, that will now be the second uh, battle that Alabama has won over Clemson as the Clemson-Alabama or the top two for Ty Simpson as well. Um, but I think longevity runs out, relationship, and just the fact that, hey, Alabama's proven it. They can do it year and year again. And uh, why not? You know, and two, I think they realize how Jeremiah is a can't miss prospect, and that Nick Saban wants to send a message um, by not getting, you know, by not letting an out of state school get the best player in his state, like Clemson has done in the last two or three cycles, getting guys like Justin Ross and EJ Williams. So I think Saban wants to send a message. And I think Jeremiah ends up suiting for the Crimson Tide. I certainly would be excited about that. You know, we love our pass rushers here on Off the Edge. Tyler, we lo- appreciate you hanging out with us today and uh, giving us some great insight. We'll talk to you again soon, man. Yeah. Thanks, Jacob. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Bama Central's Tyler Martin, Sports Illustrated, Alabama Crimson Tide affiliate. Breaking it all down. Basketball, football, NIL, recruiting scene, all that and more. If you missed any of the conversation, the Podcast Center, Tide109.com. I'm Jacob Harrison. This is Off the Edge. We'll be right back to close her down on a Wednesday morning. Alabama football countdown clock is driven by Crawford Insurance, Tuscaloosa's low-cost auto insurer. Call 752-6489 for a free quote today. There are there are there are 59 days until Alabama football. Do you remember? Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy with a good chance of showers and thunderstorms across West Alabama this afternoon and tonight. The high today 80, tonight's low 69. Tomorrow cloudy at times with scattered to numerous showers and thunderstorms around. The high 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to Off the Edge on Tide 100.9. We're back to put the finishing touches, touches, touches on Off the Edge on a Wednesday here on Tide 100.9. Just got done with a great conversation with Tyler Martin of Bama Central. If you missed any of that conversation, you can check it out in the podcast center on Tide109.com or on the Tide 100.9 app. So as we were closing up talking about Jeremiah Alexander, I mentioned, you know, we love pass rushers on the show namesake of the show uh especially a good three four pass rusher you know that outside linebacker the one of the best athletes you can put on a football field well uh so pittsburgh radio guy who i'm not a real big fan of uh at all uh mark madden says that the sack is the most overrated play in football that you know tj watt pass rusher for the steelers had 15 sacks last year and it only resulted in 126 yards of lost yardage, uh, and only six sacks ended the drive, ended any drives, and one was a forced fumble. So he thinks there's not a lot of concrete damage, and therefore it's overrated. I made the argument last night on a podcast that I was on that I would take the pass rushers anyway because you could have the two best corners in any league. It, especially in the NFL, pay them both $50 million a year or, or have a $50 million contract, whatever. And they're still going to give up yards. There's, they're still going to give up yards. The best corner still gives up yards, still gives up catches to somebody. Right, we saw it last year, Patrick Sertan. A lot of folks questioned just how great he was because he gave up yards and, and catches. Now, that's a bunch of baloney. He's still incredible, but... Like, we can't go into this year 
thinking that Derek Stingley's the best corner in college football when Devontae Smith has schooled him on routine the past two years, right? We're going to do it anyway. Rushing the passer is far more important than covering wide receivers. Far more important. There's a reason the quarterback is paid the most. And then the left tackle is paid the second most. And then the edge rushers come in. They impact a game on a level that that doesn't always statistically make its way into the box score. Do they not? I would think that there's got to be a stat out there that shows how high the percentage of drives are that are killed by a sack. I mean, that that's the biggest thing. Is you can look at that and say, okay, well, if it was on first down and they go back to first or they go to second and seventeen, and now it's it's nigh impossible for them to to pick up that first down, that kills a drive. Not just getting a sack on third down, not just getting a sack on fourth down, impacting the game. And and not only that. You don't have to get to the pass rusher. You don't have to. Nick Saban has said this before, and it and it blew my mind when I first heard it. It was like, what are you talking about? You got to get the sacks to get the money. You got to get the sacks in order to get that contract. No, all you got to do is get the pressure to affect the game. To affect the game. And we saw it in real time last year with Will Anderson. Now, the pressure isn't going to get you the notoriety. But Will Anderson last year led the SEC as a freshman in pressures. And then for the last half of the season, basically led the SEC in sacks. I mean, at, at some point, it's it you, you've got to add it up and you got to look at the facts. you got to pressure the quarterback. That's all for today on a Wednesday edition of Off the Edge. Big thanks to Seth, Mason, Joe. Big thanks to Tyler Martin as well. We'll close her down and see you tomorrow at 11 a.m. Up next is the Jay Parker Show. He'll take you to 2 o'clock. And then we'll be back for the game with Ryan Fowler. All that and more right here on your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Tide 100.9.